0: Welcome to this episode of Woman to Woman Podcast Series. Our guest today is Dr. Joanna Feliciano. She's the head of business and market intelligence, entrepreneur, and a co-author. She's a purpose-driven change agent focused on opening doors, elevating people, being the bridge, and creating inclusion. In her 20 years of experience in financial services and insurance across leadership roles, she is also a diversity and inclusion council member at her employer. She has taken her expertise and passion for helping launch, elevate. Focused on helping underrepresented individuals, she also sits on the Loop Fund Board, whose mission is to educate, empower, and engage Latinas. Joanna is also a featured co-author in Hispanic Stars Rising, Volume Two, released in 2021. Welcome, Dr. Joanna, to Woman to Woman Podcast. Yes, yes. I'm so excited
1: to be here with you today and and share my story. Um, It's an exciting time and I'm excited to be here with you.
0: You have been in the insurance industry for a very long time. And clearly, you know, as a young woman, that's not one of the industries we usually look at, right? You kind of end up there. Mm -hmm. Let's start from the beginning. What did you want to be growing up? What was your career ambitions and how did it all start?
1: That's a great question. because Some people have asked me that in the past. And originally as a little girl, I wanted to be a, a doctor. I wanted to be a gynecologist. I was very interested in that field at a very young age, but of course, um, as I grew up, resources were limited to go to medical school and, and, and you know follow that career path. And as I spoke to individuals in high school, they were like, "Why don't you just go into business? It's an array, you know, you could kind of do any job. You know, if you fall into a business degree, you can do some marketing, advertising, finance, accounting. So it kind of like covers different areas. So what I did is I decided to go down that field of business." And I ended up getting an internship at J.P. Morgan Chase, and that's where I started my career—an internship throughout college. And one of my rotations was in the insurance area, when J.P. Morgan used to sell insurance policies uh, around employment insurance, some accidental death insurance that they used to send to their customers checking and credit account customers and or mortgage account customers. So through that, I ended up finalizing all the rotations and ended up getting a job there when I finished college. So I ended up becoming a product manager but sitting under a financial institution, which was the bank. And then through conversations and networking, which networking is always in every conversation, I heard about an, an amazing opportunity at AIG insurance, you know, 20, you know, years ago. And I went through the interview process. I was a little hesitant, like, oh, my God, I'm going to enter an insurance organization. I just remember being insurance has always been car insurance, car insurance and health insurance. What type of other insurances are out there and even what type of functions are in an insurance organization? I really didn't know that going into that interview, but they really liked me. (laughs) And we, we had a great interview. I had several level interviews. And then A couple of days later, I got an offer for a product management position in insurance and client management to service the clients. And I said, you know what? Why not? Just get into the insurance industry. Try it out. It's still under the business degree realm. And I've been there ever since. I've, I've moved from AIG to Munich Re., um, and now where I'm at, rely on standard life insurance. So I kind of stay there and I, and I like insurance um, because of course it's servicing the customer it's providing a product in a time of need. And I started seeing very insurance very differently when I got into the industry and learned more about it. So it wasn't a straight shoot right off the college. And it wasn't a straight shoot from when I was eight years old when people would ask me, what do you want to be? But full circle, even though I didn't become a medical doctor, I still became, still got a doctorate degree and it was a business. So I still carried the doctor right in front of my name. So at least I I got some piece
0: of it, uh, of my dream uh, right in the beginning. Yeah, but congratulations. PhD is a big deal. So that's, that's great. And that's awesome. You mentioned something very critical. You mentioned networking. That is so important for everybody, especially for women, because we don't do enough of it. So how did you break those barriers? Yeah, I, I think it's helping me more as I'm longer into my career path.
1: When I first started networking, I would go to um, company functions. Like, you know, they had, okay, let's come after, after work, happy hour. Functions to meet folks. And that was when I was younger in my career. And I would see, why am I going to go to that? Who am I going to meet? You know, why am I going to spend time there? This was years ago. I used to think that. And then as I started going into it and I started meeting people, I started realizing that conversations, even if it's short conversations with someone, they can still remember you after that. And they can still connect the dots with you. So I, as I got older in my career, I put so much more value into networking. And I spend a lot of time networking now. Like people link into me. Hey, can I meet with you for half an hour? I want to get to know what you're doing. Or when I go to functions, I'm more intentional about networking. Because I know that we may not work together now, but I may need you for something in my network in the future. So I value so much networking and it's not just sending people No, know, hey, how are you? No, it's being intentional, getting to know them, having relationships with people. So then you can leave an impact. They can remember you. So then in the future, you can kind of go back and loop and say, hey, I need to tap into this person in this field for this is what I'm going through to help. So as the career grew, I put more value in networking and I recommend that to people who I mentor in my network. It's like, hey, it's difficult. You may be afraid in the beginning because sometimes we do get afraid. We're like, really, are we are, are we gonna get the benefit, the ROI return of this networking conversation? In the long run, you will, but you have to put time into it. You have to be very intentional with the networking. So as I have grown in my career, like I said in the beginning, it's become more intentional, focused. Where do I spend my time? How do I build those relationships and that deep network to help me grow in
0: my career and even personal? So you're all about inspiring and encouraging women. Did you have mentors? So you do a lot of mentorship programs now, but growing up, did you have a mentor that really helped you figure out who you are, what you wanted to do and what the next best steps are for you?
1: You know, to be honest, I really did not at a young age. I did not have many role models at work, And I think it was more basis because of the community. I grew up in the South Bronx and it, resources were limited, not only resources, but ro- mo- role models. We would never receive role model day at the school uh, or, or get to see people that left the community and, and grew outside of the community. So it was very limited I would say from a role model and mentor perspective, what I did have is always a support system. So I always had a support system with my parents in the beginning, people who I knew in the community, teachers, Um, so that helped me get through my education. And then of course, uh, in the beginning years of my career, but now I, I believe so much in mentoring, especially when individuals are young, and even in college or even high school. So because I didn't have it, I put so much effort in pouring into people because I wanna be not just a word of inspiration, but help them answer questions that they may have that they may be afraid to even ask their parents. Because for example, in the Hispanic community, some some of them are first generation. They're coming here to this country And they may not have role models. So even mentees that I speak to, they're like, thank you so much for for sharing that with me because I've been so concerned while I've been in my fourth year of college. You know, I don't even know where to apply for for which job, where to look, how to look. I try to pour into them because I know what they're going through because I went through the same, not having that. For me, being a mentor is so important. And, And then now later in my career, I do have mentors. I do have uh, mentors in the workplace that are always inspiring me and telling me, hey, go for that opportunity, or Joanna, you know what, you're good at that, sign up for that committee, or even mentors in in a personal development. You know, personally, I'm very active in the community in New Jersey, so they serve me in that space. They're like, yeah, there's a door opening here at this nonprofit event there's a door here. So I have mentors in different spaces that really help me navigate
0: through different changes in my career and personal. You also teach this unconscious bias course. Yes. And how did that come about? Is that based on your own experiences? So I do teach, uh, I have taught unconscious bias at my
1: employer and to share, they've been amazing. They have not just provided me a opportunity in my role as their business and market intelligence lead and head of the organization, but they've also been so supportive in my passion for DI. They've been so supportive in, in my passion in DI and corporate social responsibility. So when an opportunity opened when they were actually founding the diversity and inclusion council the first council of the organization you know i applied through the process i had my managers reach out to me say hey joanna and we know your passion for that go apply for that council and as i applied for the council i was able to live my passion serving of course the organization as a council member being a representative of the hispanic community and people of color but also in the council there's opportunities to be teaching courses. So I was like, Hey, I'll raise my hand. I'm one of those that love raising their hand and say, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Don't worry. So I did a train the trainer course. They trained me. And then I started teaching unconscious bias course to the employees at the organization. As a council member and as a representative of them, and also, you know, I was able to share stories. Like it was a very intimate sessions because they gave their stories of their experiences and I was able to connect with them and give my stories. So, I am so thankful to my employer for giving me that opportunity to teach that course as a train to trainer course in the organization.
0: So, you're also very involved with the Empowering Loop NGA Latino group. So, that's that's amazing, though. You make time, you find time to do what you're really passionate about. You did the first business course, you got a job. Then what made you go back to school, get your master's, get your PhD? Again, because that's not something you needed to get your job done. That was more of a personal passion.
1: I always tend to have had education as fundamental, as 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 an important value. It's something I grew up with. My parents always instilled like, hey, for you to succeed in, in the United States and in America, you have to have an education because that's something that can't be taken away from anyone. You know, it's something that you earn. It's attached to your name, and no matter where you go, you take it with you. And for me, when I looked at my bachelor's degree, I always thought about going back to school for my master's. But the bigger question was when I decided to finally go back to my doctorate. It was it was a random conversation with my husband, which was you know, hysterical. I was in the kitchen having breakfast and. I said, you know what, I really think that I'm at a point in time that i will like to go back to school and either get a a, a, ma- a second master's degree, because I love school. I'm one of those people, I love school, I love research, I love books, I can read all the time. I, yeah, I, I'm very passionate about reading. <laughs> I remember that conversation when we were across each other, and I said, I think I would like to explore going back to school and, and getting a second master's degree. And my husband looked at me and he said, what are you talking about? Why are you going to go back to school to get a master's degree? Why don't you just go get your doctorate? And I said, are you serious? I, I should go back to school and get my doctorate degree. He's like, yeah, What? Wh- what's stopping you go get your doctorate degree and get it in business. Let's look into it together. And he, which is funny. My husband, when he got the laptop, started doing research in front of me and said here you go maybe you should apply to liberty university online you can still do what you do at work you can still volunteer in these organizations and go get your doctorate degree it's something you you know you wanted to be a doctor when you were younger but you didn't get to become that he knows the whole story i said you know what i'm gonna go i did not know what i was signing up for (laughs) it's one of those i said yes Yes, I'm one of the raised list. I'll, I'll raise my hand and I'll take on more. When I did my statement of why and all that, and then finally I got accepted and I was in the middle of my doctorate degree. So it's several years of taking courses. You're taking a lot of courses, getting ready for your dissertation, getting ready for your topic of research. It became so real when I was about three years into and I said, oh my God, I'm actually gonna start my dissertation. I have to put my topic on paper. This is serious. Like, it just became really serious. And I kept hearing percentages of people dropping out at that point because it gets so difficult, like sleepless nights. But I'm so thankful that my husband, one, inspired me with that conversation, helped, did the research for me, and then has always been supportive throughout my career, personal development. And I got through that phase. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so, I'm happy that I made that decision to go back to school because with the doctorate, it's just opened up many doors for me, you know? And, and of course it inspires the Latino community because when I go to events, everyone's like, Dr. Feliciano, this is so exciting to see someone with a doctorate degree in our community. So it's, it's very rewarding and fulfilling.
0: That's incredible. Like you're leading by example. You're not just saying go get education, but you're you got the most topmost education. So you're like, okay, I'm authorized to say this to you now. But That's congratulations. That's that's such a great story. Thank you. Thank you. So during all of this. Absolutely. It's so important to have a support system, especially a very supportive spouse. Go the extra mile when you don't have the bandwidth because we tend to take a lot more on in terms of family and responsibilities. You have two kids as well with so much going on and all the additional volunteering work you do, your own work, your education. How did this really pan out? I would start with
1: My husband has been with me for 20, 25 years. He met me very young. He is my biggest cheerleader. I would say he's the one that I go to when I'm down and out. He's the one that I go to first for that support, that nudge. Hey, Joanna, you can get up, dust yourself off. I know it's hard. It's okay. He's the one that I go to. I need a break He even steps in sometimes when he sees me drowning because he's like, Johnny, you're doing too much. Um, And he's like, look, let's take a break. Even if it's a moment just to watch TV or to go out for a ride somewhere or go out to dinner, like, like he will step in and I'm so thankful for having someone so close to me that's constantly observing me to help me through those moments and be my support system. And him not just being my support system, he's he's very honest. And I appreciate I I recommend to anyone you need a support system that's honest with you. So for example, if there's things failing in my life, he's the first one to tell me. He's the he won't hold it back. He'd be like, Joanna, I think you need to stop what you're doing, or I, I think you need to change gears, or I need you when an individual has a support system and they select their tight circle when they're going through big events or big transitions in their life. You need someone honest, supportive, that could stop you, take care of you, tell you, hey, you need some self-care. So I'm so thankful to my husband for that. But with my kids, it's a little different. Like they live through me, which is funny because I go to events and I speak at events. Like recently I was speaking at an event at a university and they were so excited waiting at home that they were like, mom, tell us all about it. Mom, sh- share all the pictures. Who was there? What did you say? What did you do? Who did you mean? What did you eat? Like, they're so. they live through me and even not realizing that they're supporting me because they're so excited about what I'm doing. So I share everything with them. I sh- Like they're part of my story. I bring them in and I'll tell them, mommy's going to go to this event on Thursday. She's not going to be here when you get home. Or she's going to go do this volunteer thing on Saturday. Like they're part of my story. So they they don't feel left out. And I And I suggest anyone who's going to do anything outside of work, embrace your children, embrace your circle, and let them be part of that journey. Because as you're growing, they're growing too with you. They're watching you. They're growing. And they're able to help you. And not only that, but you're able to help them grow eventually because they're going to have their journey and you're going to help them grow too. So for me, my my two boys are amazing. And, and my husband, they're, and they're the closest knit. And of course, my sister who doesn't live too far from me, she has been there and seen my ups and downs, my valleys and my mountains. And she is
0: honest. Very supportive, direct and someone that I can lean on when I when I need help. It does take a village for everybody, you know, not just to raise kids, but a village to really support you, especially if yeah. you have multiple passions looking back if you had to change one thing in your life what would that be
1: i think i would have started earlier my volunteer my passion and my purpose and i know there's always conversations when i have with my mentees or even i've I've spoken at courses about passion and purpose i think i spent several years earlier in my career really trying to figure out okay what's my passion what's my purpose let me write it down let me have it all dotted lines Let me, let me have the list ready because I spent so much time trying to answer all those questions. I kind of lost time instead of just jumping into something, because when you jump into something and I tell that to my mentees, they tell me the same thing. Well, I don't really know what I like doing, or I don't know which organization to volunteer for. It's okay. You're not going to have all the answers to all your questions. Start somewhere, get involved. So for me, I wish I would be able to turn the clock back and gotten involved more years, years earlier. But unfortunately, maybe things weren't lined up properly in my home. I was still getting my MBA and all all that stuff and growing in, in my insurance career. So it didn't allow enough time. But I think that's something that I would have loved to start earlier in my career. And I tell that to people, you know what, it's okay. You don't have all the answers to the purpose and passion questions. Cause that's always a question. What, what am I here for? I hear the same question. What am I here to do in this world? It's hard to, it's a difficult question to answer, but if you start doing something like all of a sudden you feel something inside of you leaping and you're like, wow, this is, this is, I enjoy this. I really feel fulfilled when I'm here. I'm working on this. I'm doing that. So I would have started earlier with that portion of of my life. If
0: you look at all the women around you, right, through in your career, in your personal life, through your mentorship programs, what are some of the things we women don't do as much um, as we should? One of the things that,
1: and I did this, and and I'll use myself as an example. For many years, I spent it trying to be this person that would be accepted at the workplace, and it goes back to authenticity. There's studies, there's research. W- women sometimes have to leave their authentic self at the door in the workplace or where, they, or where, where they're where they volunteering. For me is more women will be great to, to bring out the, that authentic self because each person has so much creativity, so many gifts. And I did that. For years, I kind of kept the, the Joanna that exists now kind of hidden. Because I was like, well, I need to behave that this. I need to you know, wear that suit, wear that blue, that gray suit, appear in those meetings like this. Sometimes, I'll be honest, wear my hair straight, you know, because I have very curly hair. And sometimes it gets really curly. And I tried to fit into this mold that I really wasn't. And then now, a couple of years ago, I found myself asking that question and I said, wait a second, what am I missing? I'm missing that real, real Joanna. So as I tapped into her more and more, she came out. And now I go into every space as an authentic person. You feel it when you meet me. And a lot of women, I think we get caught up in like, what will people say or think? Because we want to fit in. We don't have representation. At high levels in corporations, we don't sometimes have leadership roles so we want to fit in the best we we can and sometimes we lose ourselves in the process
0: you were in the insurance industry for the longest time and that's a very male-dominated industry did you have instances where you kind of had to have situations because you were a woman you didn't get what you wanted or you should have and how did you really handle those situations?
1: Earlier in, in my career, there was opportunities that I was overlooked for. I was passed on from even engaging in a conversation. And I'll give you an example. So I used to believe that it would be great if managers or leaders come and tap you on the back and say, hey, Joanna, I think you would be good at this role or this new job that's opening up at this new department. And because I was waiting for that acknowledgement, and because I was waiting for that recognition, sometimes I was overlooked because I didn't voice my interests. So for me, in in being in a male dominated industry, you have to be able to learn how to speak up. You have to learn professionally, You have to learn how to say, this is what I believe. This is what I think. I like this opportunity. I'm going to go for it. People respect that. When they hear you say it, they're like, wow, you know what? She's really determined. She's being honest. And she's not waiting for someone to tap her to say, this would be good for you. No, she's making that assessment herself and deciding. So earlier in my career, I was kind of waiting. Now it's very different. Now I'm more intentional. I go after opportunities. I raise my hand. I don't wait for people to tap me and say, I think you will be good for that. No, they sometimes do that. I'm going to go for it. Oh, I'm not going to go for it because I own that decision at the end of the day. So for me, being in a male dominated industry and not having all this woman support system you have to have a voice. You have to be able to speak up. So last question for the day, Joanna, what gives you joy? For me, what gives me joy is when I get notes from people that I've impacted, like at a random. Last night, I got a note from a a student that I had taught a class to months ago. And her and I keep contact. And she's like, just send me a random, she's like, Jorna, you're doing such great work. We are awesome. And that, I felt this, it was it was random, random. Like she just sent it. And I get random notes from people that I help and I impact. And that is so joyful because I said, wow, I'm living with purpose and I'm helping people see themselves as awesome, as great, as able to go for that opportunity, as, as confident authentic so that just brings me ultimate joy and of course you know my boys and my husband when they come by and, and at a random they'll, they'll say I know you're tired but mom you need to rest you're doing good work mom you're doing good work you're helping people and just hearing my 10 year old say that it's like wow like he can see it without me saying so that brings me joy when people just come out of the random just say it because i'm not expecting it but they say and that keeps me motivated and going because i'm like okay i gotta go back out there
0: (laughs) i gotta do more well dr joanna thank you so much for your time this was great and we really wish you all the best with all the great work you have been doing and you continue to do so thank you so much for your time well thank you so much for the opportunity to be on this podcast
1: to to share my story and i'm hoping that it inspires Uh, different women you know younger ladies women in their mid-careers starting in their careers never give up on yourself there's always great things ahead I tell women there's always great things and great opportunities for you ahead it's keep pushing have perseverance and keep being resilient and strong thank you so much for this opportunity